uh, I'm smiling because I have a mentor who's in his 70s now who, who said, if you come up and pray before you preach, it's too late. <laughs> I, just, I just thought about that just now. What he's saying is, is it's not too late to pray, but if you haven't prepared before you pray, it's probably too late. So let's all pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the fact that you are the one who builds the nations. You hold them in your hand. They're nothing but dust compared to your power. Thank you that you use people like Abraham and people like us to continue the lineage through faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak now. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. For Jesus' sake, amen. So we're in the second chapter, which is titled God Builds a Nation Today. It covers 25 chapters of Genesis. Lunch will be served at some point during the sermon. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't think I've ever preached on 25 verses, let alone tried to cover 25 chapters. I was slightly perplexed by the thought. Listening to Matt's sermon last week helped. So my flight plan, so to speak, is to go like whew, over 25 chapters at 30,000 feet, make some application, and then come back into the, to the main points of how it is that God built a nation and the people that he used to build a nation and what does that mean to Holy Cross Oxford in 2019? Now I almost said 18. So today in the Old Testament lesson, we hear God's call to Abram. Abraham accepts the call, takes his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot. They pack it up and leave. They stop in Egypt where Abraham lies to the Pharaoh of Egypt that his wife is his sister. Plagues are inflicted on Egypt as a result of that. The Pharaoh of Egypt politely tells them to leave. They're escorted out of Egypt. Abraham and Lot then separate. Lot goes to Sodom and Gomorrah, which as you all know, if you have a scant remembrance of the Bible, is a wicked city. God then makes his covenant with Abraham, telling him that his descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky, to which the Bible tells us in Genesis 15:6 that Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. But they're not really sure that they're going to have a child, so Sarai, his wife, takes her servant girl, gives her to her husband in order that they might have an offspring, of which is Ishmael. The covenant of circumcision is brought about, at which Abraham is now 90 years old. Sarai is 80. Isaac is still promised. Abraham laughs at God. Sarah overhears the messenger say to Abraham that Isaac has promised. She laughs at God. Why did you laugh and say that I shall bear a child when I am old? The Lord says to Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? But they laugh at him. God then has to intercede with Abraham as Lot is rescued by God out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed for their sinfulness. Lot's daughters get him drunk so that they can have children. 
Abraham again now goes to King Abimelech and lies to him once again, telling him that Sarah is his sister. And then the promised child is born. Abraham is a hundred. Sarah is 90. (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? God promises to protect Hagar and Ishmael, the servant woman, and the child tells him that he will be blessed. God promises also that Isaac will be the seed of the nation. And then he tests Abraham, for which we will come back to in Genesis 22. Sarah dies at the age of 127. Isaac meets Rebekah. They are married. Abraham dies at the age of 175. Isaac and Rebekah have two children, Esau and Jacob. Esau, who was the oldest one day, is out hunting and comes back starving and sells his birthright for a bowl of stew. God promises to bless Isaac. Isaac lies to Abimelech and says that his wife is his sister. Rebecca and Jacob overhear that Esau is going to receive the blessing from Isaac and they conspire, dress up Jacob as Esau in animal skins so that he smells like him and Jacob receives the blessing instead of Esau. Jacob and Laban, his father-in-law, then bicker over how long it is that Jacob has to work before he marries Rachel, who he's in love with. They agree on seven years. He works for seven years, and then his father-in-law deceives him and gives him Leah, to which he is now married to, for which he works another seven years for Rachel's hand. Through all of this, children are born, one of which will become very important next week in the in this story, one of which is Joseph. Just keep that in the back of your mind because next week will be chapter 3 on Joseph. Jacob and Laban dispute over property but make a promise to each other not to cross boundaries. Jacob is afraid because he hears his brother Esau, who he and his mother had deceived, is close in the region. He fears him, yet he goes to him. They reconcile, and they're both blessed. God, in the blessing of Jacob, renames him Israel, Rachel and Isaac die. So as we move on through the course of history and remember what it is that the people of God are called, they are called the children of Israel. Isn't that amazing? Through all the things that I just read to you, here are some of the things that were involved through the course of time. Lying. Deception, control, doubt, wondering of God's timing, and family disputes and disorder. Isn't it amazing that God can build a nation through all of that? So here's the point. Even though we are human and we sin and make mistakes, there are consequences But the sovereignty of God, even through all those things, beginning from Abraham, he builds a nation 
He builds a people of his own. Even through our sinful activities. So what's the correlation? Well, if the shoe fits, let's all wear it. Well, I don't know what that means for you. Any family disputes or disorders with anybody in your family? Haven't talked to a relative in years for something they said or something you did? You can be reconciled. Any lying? Deception? I mean, we may not have told the President of the United States that our wife is our sister, but are we completely honest in all of our dealings? We ever doubt God's timing? Try to snatch control of a situation? Change the circumstances? Simply because we have the means and we think it's the best thing to do as opposed to waiting and hearing, is anything too hard for the Lord? If the shoe fits, Let's all put it on where it belongs. Sin is part of it. We all sin. And God still chose through Abraham to build a nation, even though he made some of those choices. So I'd like to go back to Genesis 22 for a minute. This is the crux of the promise. This is what Paul talked about as far as faith goes in our New Testament lesson from Galatians. It is faith, those who are blessed by Abraham, the father of faith. It is Jesus who says of Abraham, he saw my day and he was glad. And these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take him to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place of which God told him. And on the third day, lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go and worship and we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went together. And Isaac said to his son, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where's the lamb? And God said, And Abraham said, God will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. So they both went together. And when they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood on it, bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord said, From heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay a hand on your boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son. For the men here, take that journey today. as fathers in our families and supposedly the head of faith. I don't know, Isaac was in his 20s. Could you bind up your children? I know they'd fight. 
unless they were submissive. And then stand above him and raise a knife in faithfulness to God. It's immense, isn't it? I was helped by Glenn Schreibner with these thoughts with which I'll end. Old Testament saints were not simply tiles in mosaic paintings, witnessing unwittingly to a gospel pattern of which they were ignorant. They looked forward to the fulfillment of these promises. How? Through the promises, this is how Jesus, Paul, and Peter saw it. Each of them characterized the Old Testament shape as proclaiming Christ's suffering and glory. Yet at the same time, each maintains that this message from Moses and the prophets that they themselves wrote, said, prophesied, and predicted all along that true faith, even in the Old Testament, was messianic faith, centered on looking forward towards none other than Christ himself. He was the one held out and the one trusted in the Old Testament by all of the faithful. So here is the ultimate test of faith. But it is more than a test for Abraham. This has proved to be a stumbling block for many as they read God's word to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain which I shall tell you. It is utterly ridiculous until you consider the pattern. Who is the son? He is the seed of Abraham, the hope of the world. All of God's promises are focused on Isaac, this beloved son. If he is sacrificed, God would have to, well, he would have to bring him back to life. And notice he is to be sacrificed on a mountain in the region that would become Jerusalem. He carries the wood on his back. He trudges up the hill. And all the while, Abraham believes that he will receive his son back from death. When you understand the pattern, then the death and resurrection of the son does not become a barrier. It becomes a boost of faith. Watch how the author of Genesis 22, traditionally Moses, speaks of the mountain. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on that mountain, the Lord shall provide. For hundreds of years, Israelites were pointing to that hill, believing in a future provision, a future atonement. They knew where it would happen. And for centuries, the Old Testament saints saw Christ promised in this event. And they set their hopes accordingly. It is the angel of the Lord who intercedes. He speaks again and does not speak with remarkable self-understanding. What does this angel think? And who does he think he is? Though he is sent by the Lord, he speaks as though he is the Lord himself. By myself, he says, I have sworn, declares the Lord, I will bless and I will multiply. When we encounter angels in the scriptures, they usually insist on a difference between them and God. But this messenger, this messenger literally speaks as the one sent from God. He actually insists that not only is he from the Lord, but that he is the Lord. 
to use his language. He is God from God. And two millennium later, God from God would climb the same hill as a man. He would carry his wooden instrument for his death. He would lay down submissively his life. They would nail his beaten, bloodied body to a cross and no one would come to save him. What Abraham saw when Jesus said, he saw my day and it made him glad was the crucifixion of Jesus for his sins and his resurrection from the dead for his eternal life because he was a sinner. The picture becomes very clear. Through all of the deception, all of the lying, all of the mistrust, all of the trying to take control, faith looks at forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ and hopes in the resurrection from the dead. And God is still building a nation. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, but you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If your faith today is in Jesus Christ, at the cross for your forgiveness, in the hope of resurrection. You belong to Israel. You are part of the nation. And God is still building a nation. Even through all of our sinful activities, God is still building a nation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Abraham who although he sinned, you forgave him. Although his faith was weak at times, his faith was strong at times as well. Thank you that through all of this in history and through all of this in our lives that you chose to build a nation then beginning with him. And as it transpires now, we look back at the cross as Abraham looked forward to it and give you glory and look forward to the eternal kingdom where you say in the book of Revelation, a great multitude from every nation will gather where we may sing your praise forever. Amen.